Okay, now, if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn to 1 Peter. We're going to spend some time in Peter. We're going to start a whole new series today. So it's going to be at least a couple of months. And the series is entitled Passing Through. Now, why did I entitle that? Well, what you're going to find is, is when we go through Peter and his epistle here, he has a term for you. He refers to Christians as pilgrims. Okay? That's one translation. The King James would translate it as pilgrims. Another translation from the original languages would be strangers. You and I are strangers in this world. What that means is, is that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, I don't care if you've always lived in Kerwinsville and your family has always lived in Kerwinsville, the fact of the matter is, is that as a believer in Jesus Christ, you are actually a stranger in this world. And you are actually just passing through. You're only here temporarily. Okay? You're just temporarily here. You're an alien. Not like E.T., but you're an alien. Okay? Now, because of that, Peter is going to tell us and explain to us that really you and I need to hold on loosely. Now, that's difficult. We are, we're here temporarily, but here's the problem. We, we don't, we forget that. And so we get so wrapped up in this world and we want to hold on tightly to the things of this world. But the fact of the matter is, we don't, we're not guaranteed anything. You know, I, I, sorry, I mean, I, we, we, we think we're in control, but we're not, right? I mean, let's just be honest. We think we're in control, but we're not. And we've got to learn to hold on loosely. So how do we do that? Well, that's what we're going through here with First Peter. We want to look at the whole issue of holding on loosely. Now, in order to do that, though, you have to understand who you are. And that's what this first message is going to be about, that there is more to you. I, you know, I find that a lot of believers in Jesus Christ really don't have a clue about who they really are. They don't have a clue about what God has done for them. They don't have a clue about who they are in Christ. And so they live defeated lives they, ha- they live like everybody else does, and they don't really understand the potential that they have. They don't understand the purpose that God has for them. And so we're going to look at that today just as we start out in the very first two verses of First Peter. So we're in First Peter chapter 1. We're going to look at 1 and 2. Now, if you're using the Pew Bible, you haven't found it yet. It's page 638, okay? Now, if you have your own Bible, I don't know what page it is, okay? My page is... 1,635, okay? Don't go there because that's my Bible, okay? Now, let's look at this together. This is the introduction to this letter, but from it, we're going to gather some things about holding it on loose, holding on loosely. Okay, here it is. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, 
to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontius, Galatius, Cappadocia, Asia, and Blithnia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace be multiplied. Wow, that was a lot there, George. What does that all mean? In fact, you probably have read that many times before and you just kind of like blow past it. Well, we're going to take it apart today. We're going to talk about it. But before we get there, I want to address the issue of the fact that you are held back. You are held back. Have you ever met somebody that had potential, maybe it was in sports, maybe it was in academics, maybe it was in their crafts that they could do with their hands, but they never really had a chance to do anything with it because maybe circumstances held them back? Did you understand what I'm saying? They couldn't be the the music person that they wanted to be because they were held back. They couldn't be the athlete that they wanted to do because circumstances didn't allow for it and they were held back. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I mean by you, someone's being held back from fulfilling the potential of who they are? Well, here's what I want to tell you is, is that we, for the most part, are held back from fulfilling the potential of who you really are. Okay? And you may want to write that down. You are being held back from being who you really are in Jesus. I'll say it again. You are being held back from being who you really are in Jesus. Why? Okay, two things here. Number one, many Christ followers do not know who they are in Christ. The first reason why you're being held back is you don't really know what that means to be a Christ follower. Now, I'm using the term Christ follower than just believer because I've met people who say they're believers, but they maybe believe something mentally, but they don't really follow it with their lives. A Christ follower is somebody who who believes in Jesus and follows Jesus with their life. Okay? So here you are as a Christ follower, but a lot of you don't really know, and it was a long time before I came to a conclusion. I think it was like 10 or 15 years before I finally realized what and who I was in Jesus. And I'll be honest with you, because I didn't have that understanding, I was being held back in my Christian life. A lot of you are being held back in your Christian life because you have no understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and what it means to be in Christ. And what it means to be in Christ. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. Now, this is just a statement. This is an important statement. Because we don't have that understanding, that this leads right into the second statement, you will never rise above your perception of yourself. That's true in a lot of areas. It's especially true when we talk about who you are as a Christ follower. You will never rise above your perception of yourself. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. One of the most damning things, and I did use that word, one of the most damning things that you can do to a child, to your child, 
is to constantly tell them that they are worthless and that they will never amount to anything in life. You want to scar a child for life? You tell them that. You communicate that thing to them. And believe me, they will always try to prove it wrong and they'll feel like they never can prove it wrong. You will cripple a child. They will never rise above their perception of themselves because you communicated a perception to them. You communicated to them that they will never amount to anything. Some of you know that personally. I know that personally. And it's been a crippling thing. What I find is is that for Christians, they will never rise above their perception of themselves as a believer because many of them don't truly know who they really are in Christ. Many of them don't truly know who they are as a follower of Jesus. What does that mean? That Well, they know they're forgiven. They know they got heaven later on, but they don't really know what that means now in their everyday lives. And so it's a very true statement. You will never rise above your perception of yourself. I want you to grasp that. So that brings us to the passage we just read. Because when we look at the passage that we just read, he's going to talk about three things from these two verses. He's going to talk about our identity. We're going to see that in verse 1. And he's going to talk about our status. That is, our standing. Okay? And then we're going to talk about our purpose. We see that in verse 2 as well. So we're going to talk about our identity, who you are, your standing or your status, verse 2, and your purpose, verse 2. Okay, so let's do it. Let's do this together. All right? So first of all, look at verse 1. He starts off, to the pilgrims. Some translations will say sojourners. Some translations will say strangers. And he goes on and he lists several different places there because this letter would have been spread among all the churches. So, Billy, folks, this letter is even for you and I. So here's what I want you to see about our identity. Christ followers are strangers in this world. Christ followers are strangers in this world. Now, I'm going to stop for a moment, and I think everybody here, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you will know immediately what I'm talking about you will know immediately what I'm talking about when I say that you're strangers in this world. Because here's what happens. When you are a believer in Jesus Christ, your heart changes, your mind changes. And even though you may even be hanging out with family or hanging out with the buddies at work, here's the second point. I want you to grasp it. You will never, we will never feel completely at home here. We never feel completely at home because something's different. We're different. Sometimes we've even thought about that. Like, well, how come I can't? I mean, it's my buddies. It's my family. And, and I feel so separate from them. And, and, and we, some, a lot of times we're not even aware of why. We just know that we don't feel at home with them. We don't feel a part of them. And we're wondering, why is that? Because we want to be a part of it. Isn't that true? I think everybody here wants to be loved and accepted by everybody else, right? You'd have to be weird not to. Nobody wants to be the fish swimming in the other direction. We want to go with everybody else. But I think we all know that you'll never be loved and accepted by everybody, right? 
You're living a pipe dream if you believe that you will. And especially if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. Why? Because Peter's making the point here, you're a stranger in this world. You're not of this world. You don't really belong here. Do you understand what I'm saying? You belong somewhere else. You don't really belong here. Yeah, I'll give you a personal illustration of that. A lot of you would say, oh, George is from South Carolina. Well, yeah, I guess you could say I'm from South Carolina, but I'm really not from South Carolina. I was born in Germany to a German mom. My dad was from eastern North Carolina, Pitt County. You like classic pickles? They came from Pitt County. Okay? I don't like pickles. Okay? So anyhow, listen to me. I am what they call a third culture kid. What does that mean? I am a product of two different cultures. When I was a kid, a child, like Claire's age, up until the time I was about five years old or so, I learned two languages. I could speak two languages. I spoke German because that's all you could speak to when you want to talk to your grandmother. In fact, I didn't learn proper German. I learned slang German. Okay? And that was a funny story. When Lori and I first met my family, they were... In, when Lori met my family in Germany, I was telling, they were saying, well, what are you going to do, George? I said, well, I'm going to be a fuffa. And they're like, that's, I thought was the word for pastor. And they said, who told you that? I said, well, grandmother told me that. That's a dirty word for a preacher. <laughs> you don't use that word. Oh, okay. Well, anyhow, I'm a product of two places. Now, the problem with a third culture kid is we don't feel at home anywhere. I don't feel at home in the American culture, and I definitely don't feel at home in the German culture. I feel like a stranger. Here's what I want you to understand. When you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you became a third culture kid. I want you to hear me. Why? Because you were born from above. You belong above with Jesus, but you live here in this world. And you don't feel at home here. So those feelings that you've been having, like is there something weird with you or not? No, they're, they're, they're normal. You need to grasp them. Do you understand what I'm saying? You are not of this world. You belong to Jesus. That's your identity. He goes on in verse 2 and he talks about our standing. Now, our standing, he points out, is just one word. It's the word elect. Now, people get all hung up on this word. They get hung up on the theology of that. I'm not going to spend my time talking about the theology of that. The fact of the matter is, is God is sovereign in election, in salvation. Now, We can talk about that some other time, on the Sunday school time maybe. But here's what I want you to see. When we talk about our standing, here's what he's going to say about your position as a follower of Jesus. Okay, comes from that one word elect. Our position as Christ followers, followers is a result of God's sovereign will. 
Our position as Christ followers is a result of God's sovereign will. It's about what Jesus did for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? He is the one who made the predetermined plan before everything came into existence that he would redeem to himself a people by sending his own son to live among them. They would reject him, put him on a cross. He would die for them, taking our sin upon himself and satisfying the wrath of God. You didn't have anything to do with that, did you? Nothing. Even the person who came by and shared the gospel with you, maybe it was a parent, maybe it was a friend, maybe it was somebody on TV. But God is the one who brought them to you. God is the one who opens your heart to understand. And you responded, God is the one who saved you. See, this is what you need to understand. So here's the second point, and you need to grasp this, because so many of us, we don't really grasp this. We think it all has to do with us, but it doesn't. Listen to the second point here. Your standing with God is not about you. Your standing with God is not about you. So all right, what does that mean, George? Well, let me, let me explain it to you here so that you grasp it, okay? Let me explain it to you. I have access to God anytime that I want. I have forgiveness from God. I have love from God towards me. I have standing with him. I am a child of God. Now, did I have anything to do with that? No. And aren't I glad? You better believe it. Because I can tell you right now, I'm 52 years old. Do I have regrets in my life? You better believe it. Have I done things I shouldn't have done? Yeah. I think that's true of all of us. Are there sins that haunt me? Yes. There are sins that haunt you. Would God accept me just by myself based on who I am? No, not a chance. In fact, what I deserve, and what you deserve, is hell. Am I right? All right. So why am I saved? Why am I his child? Why am I accepted? It's because of Jesus, not me. So many of you need to grasp that point. So many of you need to grasp that God doesn't look at you based upon 20 years ago, last week, five months ago. God doesn't look at you based upon this and that and how many times you mess up. And, and isn't that true sometimes because we end up messing up over and over again to the same things? God doesn't look at you based upon that. God looks at you based upon one thing only. Jesus. And what Jesus did for you. And, and, and let's say it again. What Jesus did for you. Did you have anything to do with it? No. No, not at all. In fact, the only thing you had to do with it is that your sin is the one who put him there. See, that's your standing. You are loved, period. 
Did you understand what I'm saying? You are loved and accepted by God, period, because you are a follower of Jesus Christ. That's what you need to grasp. But so many Christians, I find out, they don't even grasp that. They're Especially young Christians. Young Christians, the struggle in their lives is, am I saved? Am I really saved? You know, I, I, I can't, I'm not sure if I'm saved. And, and you pray prayers over and over again, asking God to come into your life because you are wrestling with, am I really saved? And why you're wrestling with you're really saved is because you haven't grasped that he is the one who took care of it, not you. It's not based on you. So here we are. We have our identity. We're strangers. We have our standing. has nothing to do with you. has to do with God. You're elect. Now we're going to talk about our purpose. Latter part there. Seems to be a confusing sentence, but I'm going to break it down for you. He says, elect according to the foreknowledge of God. And here's the part I want you to look at. In sanctification of the Spirit... Force for obedience and the sprinkling of blood of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I want you to see. Here's what we're doing. How do you take that phrase? How do you help me to understand it? Well, I'm going to give you two sentences to help you to understand so you can grasp what your purpose is. Here's the first one. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us for his work. Now, that's a big Bible word, sanctified, sanctification. What does that mean? That means to be made holy, to be separated unto God. So what it's saying here is the Holy Spirit, when he entered into your life, he took you and all of your warts and all of the stains of your sins, all of the shame and the guilt. He took you in all of that and made you, are you ready for this, clean, he removed it from you. He sanctified you. He made you holy. He gave you a right standing with God. And that's the point here. He sanctifies you, what? For his work. Because I've heard people say, oh, I, want, I wish I could serve Jesus. I wish I could do something for the Lord. But oh, he can't use me. He can't use me. I've heard that so many times now. I'm sick of hearing it. He can't use me. Why can't he use you? He can't use me because... And then they tell you this stuff that they've done. Really? That's not in the Bible. I mean, yeah, it's true. If it was just you on your own, yeah, you can't be used based upon your stuff. But the fact of the matter, it's not true that you're on your own. He takes you and what? Cleans you, separates you, makes you right to be used. Isn't that awesome? He's the one who sanctifies you. So here's the second thing about his purpose. We see it here. Christ's followers are empowered for obedience. Look at what it says there. In sanctification for obedience. He is the one who separates you, sanctifies you, cleans you, and then he turns around so that you can be obedient. He gives you the power to do it. To follow through on what God's asking you to do. 
All right, stop for a moment. You got to grasp that. It's the Holy Spirit who empowers you. Other scriptures will tell you that. First John chapter 15. Abide in me and I in you and same, and you'll bring forth much fruit. And here's what Jesus said. For without me, you can do what? Nothing. So you have to have Jesus. So God's telling you to do something in your life. God's telling you to be obedient in his, in, in your life in this area. And you're like, well, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. You're right. You can't do it on your own. But you can do it through Christ. Do you understand? It's the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers you. It's the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers you. Okay, George, how do we wrap this up? Because I'm in the burger mode. Sorry, I know some of you are health conscious and you're in the chicken mode. Okay. So let's wrap this up. You are not of this world. That's just not some philosophical statement. That's a reality. He saved you and changed you for something so much more. Remember I, the the statement I like. I, it's a it's a statement I like. It's more than just a service. Christianity is more than just coming here and listening to George and singing some songs, no matter how wonderful they are. Jesus didn't die on a cross for you to have just a Sunday morning to do that. That's not why Jesus died. Jesus died to change you. To separate to himself a special people who would do his will. That's who you are. You're followers of Christ. Realize that. And live as the person you are. It's not based on you. And he has a purpose for you. Do you hear me? I'm going to say it again. He has a purpose for you. God does. It's throughout the Bible. He prepared works for you before the foundation of the earth for you to do. Me? I'm just a mom in the house with a little baby. No, you! I've been working at the same place for 30 years and the man doesn't give me a raise and you! I'm retired. Yes, you. As long as you're breathing, God still has a plan for you. Do you hear me? As long as you're breathing, God still has a plan for you. So grasp it. You will never rise above your perception of yourself. And I guess my prayer is, is that you will begin to realize who you really are. And that we would become the people that he wants us to be, which means we'll become the church that he wants us to be, right? Let's pray.